cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are Two Guys, One Cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup Summer Edition My name is Charlie Clawson And this series is called My Club Where I chat to different supporters of AFL teams And try and get to the bottom of why they support the team that they do Learn a bit more about the culture and the history And the characters that the outsider might not know about This week we're chatting with Lynn McRanger Who I worked with for a number of years on Home and Away. Uh, Lynn actually holds the record for the longest serving actress to play the same character in an Australian television series. But she is also a mad keen Swan supporter. Um, in fact, I think she loves all sport. I, I remember most of our time on set spent together was Lynn checking cricket scores, football scores, always at games. Um, but I'm really interested to talk to Lynn about the Swans, a team that admittedly in the last couple of years I have come to know nothing about. I understand there's a guy called Jake Lloyd. Apparently he's pretty good. But apart from that, I really don't know that much. Anyway, let's get to Lynn McGranger. Lynn, I'm so glad to see you. It's been so long. How are you? Darling, I'm very well. Thank you very much. Um, getting through this crazy year, 2020, um, but all is good. We you now have our health and uh, I'm back at work and life is good, so mustn't grumble. Yeah, so let's talk about the really important things, which is football. Now, You got it. Uh, in the intro, I mentioned that uh, uh, when I met you, I don't think I've met anyone who's quite as sports crazy as you are. Like I, <laughs> I seem to feel like you're always checking your phone for score, cricket scores, cricket scores, football um, on the weekend, AFL scores yeah. and NRL. And I'm not an NRL person at all, but you know, I don't mind the Melbourne storm. If I had a team, it would be them. Um, although I don't like Queensland. So that, you know, puts me at odds. So actually it doesn't really, because when it comes time to state of origin, you know, it's a win-win really. Because <laughs> if New South Wales lose, then Melbourne Storm are winning because they, half of them are in, in Queensland. <laughs> um, but no, m mostly um, cricket and, uh, you know, and of course women's cricket these days is next level. It's brilliant. And, uh, and, of course, our um, beloved AFL. So what I am interested to know is as a, a Melbourneian who moved to Sydney, like when I first started going to games at the SCG, I noticed there was actually a different culture of supporting in Sydney than there is in Melbourne. Like it seemed much more um, sophisticated and urbane. <laughs> like Will and I often yeah. make the joke on Two Guys, One Cup that uh, the first time I ever saw sushi at the football <laughs> was at the SCG. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's funny. And so for someone who didn't necessarily grow up, I imagine, because you grew up in New South yeah. Wales with the game, what was your entry into the Swans? Oh, my entry into the Swans was we'd, we'd lived down in Melbourne for about, uh, let me think, we moved down there in, in about 84, no, 88. And um, then I moved back for home and away in 92. So I was down there for about three or four years. Our daughter was born down there. And um, we were, <laughs> Paul, okay, let me go back. Paul is from Albury, Wodonga. Right. So his team is the Wodonga Bulldogs. Right. 
And the first game I ever went to was in 1985 and it was the grand final between the Wodonga Bulldogs and we think either the Albury Tigers or Lavington. Anyway, Wodonga won by a bazillion points. And it was very exciting. It was great to watch. I didn't have a clue what was going on, but I enjoyed it immensely. So then when we moved down to Melbourne, um, we tended to go, oh, well, like Paul, Paul was kind of a bit North Melbourne because Wodonga Bulldogs were kind of one of the feeder, lower grades into North Melbourne. But then we moved to Burnley. So we were like in the Richmond, catch, Richmond catchment area and I used to go for Richmond. Oh, my God, kill me now. <laughs> and, and so back then they were kind of, you know, we used to joke and sing um, ninth again. Once we were eighth but now we're ninth again, um, which, of course, you can't do now because they keep winning the bastards. <laughs> but um, anyway, uh, so we, we did that and then we moved to uh, Thornbury and we were still, you know, kind of into it, but, um, you know, it was, it was sort of more on the periphery. Also, we had a young child, so, you know, yeah. sport sort of does take a, a bit of a, a back seat. But um, uh, Clancy, our daughter's godfather, was a mad South Melbourne supporter, like mad South Melbourne supporter. And, of course, they'd up sticks and gone up to Sydney. So when we knew we were going up there, Al... Um, Clancy's godfather said, you have to go to the Sydney Swans. You have to go to the Sydney Swans. And we're like, well, well, we probably will because that's where we're going. So we'll go for the Sydney Swans. So it was probably, it would have been early 90s that we moved up to Sydney and we've just got more and more passionate about them it, ever since. It's funny, every person that I've spoken to so far about how did you start supporting your team, it always seems to be one of two things, which is it's a family thing it's like a bloodline thing. <laughs> like, as yeah, you yeah, have yeah. a surname, you barrack for this team. Absolutely. Or it's the complete opposite, where it's people pick and choose and they'll start with one team and go to another. And then generally it's a friend, a good friend or a neighbour or someone like that or yeah, yeah, someone yeah. who goes to the games every week and, you know, takes someone's kid to the game. So this friend of yours, was he one of the rare South Melbourne supporters who was okay about South Melbourne going to Sydney? Because there was a group, I remember, that sort of kicked up a fuss for a couple happy. of years. Yeah, as you'd uh, imagine. Well, um, I can't remember the exact year they went. I think they went in the 80s, 82. the mid-80s. 82, there you go, the early 80s. Well, see, this was a good 10 years later. So he had made peace, but you said he was a South he'd Melbourne supporter. He had made supporter. peace with them. Right. Um, yeah, but he was, he was a Sydney boy originally anyway. And so obviously he'd followed right. South Melbourne down there, and and then we we moved uh, we went from Sydney down to Albury Wodonga, and then we were in Melbourne, a big group of us in the theatre and stuff. And uh, yeah, so he kind of got us onto it. Um, but you know, with hindsight, it would have been a done deal anyway because it was the only team in Sydney. Yeah. And um, I Paul certainly d doesn't give two hoots about the NRL. Yeah. He thinks it's a ridiculous game. <laughs> <laughs> because he's a Victorian, he's a you know from Wodonga, he's you know Wodonga Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, so um, yeah, that that's how, kind of how we got into it, and we've just got progressively crazier about them as the years have gone on. Yeah, and so tell me, like, it's probably you've been supporting them for too long now. Maybe you don't remember, but 
because you came to it as an adult, like, did you find it, what, what appealed to you first about the game? Or was it confusing? Were there too many rules? I know. I think that's what I loved about it. There was hardly any. <laughs> you know, just a bunch of blokes in really, really short shorts, <laughs> kicking balls and jumping up and, you know, bad mullets and, and all of that. It, it was a basically easy game to follow. But it was exciting because it's so quick moving. Mm. Whereas, you know, rugby league, I think, because don't ask me about rugby union. I know there's way too many rules in that. Um, and plus no one has a neck in that game. But anyway, um, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um, but the thing with rugby league is it's always so predictable. You know, you're five tackles, you've got to hand the ball over or kick it, kick it on. And whereas um, Aussie rules was just like this wonderful free-for-all with people leaping up people's backs and taking insane catches and kicking impossible goals. And, you know, it was just um, exciting um, to watch and high-scoring, but also you didn't have to kind of ponder what was going on. And uh, as someone who was a bit of a, I suppose, a philistine back in those days, Mm. didn't know much about the sport at all, um, I just found it exciting and certainly the crowds around. I mean, you have to go to a Wodonga Bulldogs game yeah, right. to experience that. Was that the guys in the cars honking the horn after oh, every goal? I love that. I love it. Oh, my God, it was so fun. It was so fun. But in a good way, like no one got ugly. Um, no one got aggressive or punching people out or anything like that. Certainly I, I never saw that. So, um, yeah. That, that um, that's really what got me into the game, that it was an easy game to follow. So was that around about the early 90s? So what I want to know is, did, do you remember the Edelston years, Jeffrey Edelston, uh, Warwick Kappa, or was that a, just a bit before? That was while you are still oh, in just Melbourne. Just a little bit before, but I certainly remember the pink helicopter. <laughs> I remember Leanne Edelston yeah. being married to this really, really old guy. He's been old be for really... like the last 40 years. He was old in I the know, 80s. I know, he's always he's been old. old. And look at the wives he's had. They get younger as he gets older. I know, older. but also more bizarre. It's like, oh, God, anyway, I say power is attractive. Go figure. Um, but, of course, Warwick Capper and mm. Joanne Capper, and they were kind of, you know, I don't know, they were like the, the pin-up couple, weren't they, yeah. of the sport. It was hard to tell, you know, well, there was sometimes the, who was who. They had the same hairdo. There was the makings <laughs> of a really great team in there. I mean, that was the one thing that Jeffrey Edelston, from the brief research I've done knowing I was speaking to you days, is that Jeffrey Edelston, for his eccentricities, he did go out and get Tom Hafey and Greg Williams and Jared Healy and yes. he assembled that yes. core of your first really good team. Two Brownlow medalists came out of that yeah, yeah, yeah. era for you guys. And then... Uh, when things started to go off the rails is roundabout when you decided to start following up in Sydney. So yeah. I think that's really interesting because you picked a club that well, became aware of a club when they were the glamour club, when they had the high-flying were at Capra and stuff. But then when you decided, okay, I'm into this. I'm into this. That's when you entered. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like? Um, well, again, because I hadn't really, I mean, you've got to remember, I'd followed old ninth again, Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it really wasn't, I wasn't used to following a winning team right. anyway. So it would have been worse in a way if they had been like, you know, 
kind of the, the, the winning teams, the, you know, remember Brisbane in the 90s yeah. went through that. They were unbeatable. I mean, if the Swans had been like that and then we jumped on board and then they lost, it would have been awful. But we were able to actually watch them get better and better and better and, of course, leading up until 2005. And that would just, I imagine that would give you like a great sense of kind of, not ownership, but you were like there, they'd only been around for 10 years when you jumped on yeah. board and they were shit. Yeah. So no yeah. one could accuse you of being on a bandwagon because you no. were there at the coalface when there was, what, like 10,000 people at the SCG. Absolutely, if that. And, and But what, what's so lovely about it, Charlie, and, and one of the things that I really regret about um, getting a second team in Sydney mm is that it, it crossed all borders. Right. So it didn't matter whether you lived in Mossman or you lived in Tregear out in Mount Druitt. Didn't matter if you were, you know, earning $200,000 a year or you're on the dole. Everybody went to the Sydney Swans. And, and I loved that. It really crossed borders. Now, of course... Um, with with uh, you know it's got so big that we've got the you know the uh, West Greater Western Sydney Giants, and um, and they're a great team, but I, I've re- we've kind of are split in two now. So what you have got is you've got Western Sydney, mm. and then you've got the rest of Sydney, um, and it is a bit. Unfortunately, I think that the Sydney Swans, in a way, are looked a bit uh, looked on a bit as the silver tails mm. through no fault of their own. But it's just that you've got a Western Sydney team, which is traditionally working class. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? Like the Greater Western Sydney team are the ones who have been bankrolled by millions of dollars and have had the yes. elite talent brought in and. All those Absolutely. kids have been like handpicked and groomed from state representative sides and yeah. stuff. But because of their geographic location, they, yep. I mean, there's a few things going into that though. Like Sydney are silver tails. This is what I think is so fascinating. And I, and I want to get your take on Sydney's culture. But my experience of the Swans as an outsider was a, you know, the glamour team of the late 80s that just fizzled out. Then there was the Ron Barassi years where you guys were just mm. pitiful. Then there's the plugger resurgence. Yeah. And then when Paul Ruse takes Ruse, over. Yeah. That's when you really establish that identity of the Bloods, the no dickhead yeah. policy. Uh, Sydney could take any team uh, player who was like troubled or discipline issues at another club and rehabilitate them and turn them into a great role player. Yeah. And that that was, and then they ground out those two premierships, just with pure sort of like heart and resilience and passion and all that kind of stuff. But it got to a point, I guess, where you become a victim of your own success where, so after the 2012, suddenly you get Buddy Franklin, suddenly you get Kurt Tippett. And now we're all looking at Sydney like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) We liked you when you were the working class (laughs) heroes, but now you've had two flags. You just paid, you know, a billion dollars to get Buddy Franklin to your club. All of a sudden, I feel... And how's that working for us? Well, look, you can't argue with that contract that Buddy got, can you? Like, you don't regret that. No, but I'm just saying that that, you know, a buddy has been um, a bit injured. Oh yeah, a lot. well, you know, he hasn't ten year played contract, all year. Ten year I mean, when was the last time he played? Yeah, almost um, two years. It was probably early last year, sometime at the earliest. Yeah, yeah. So, um, like in 2019. Um, but you can understand the, the why. Oh, you yeah. have the silver tail reputation now because yeah. you've had success, and once you start bringing in the marquee players and. 
Like the SCG is one of my favorite places to watch AFL. Even though it's like small and boutique and stuff, it's, it's more about where it is geographically. Like you can walk there from the city. Yeah. You know, so many great pubs. There's Centennial yep. Park. There's so much history around there. And because the weather generally in Sydney is a lot nicer than Melbourne. Like when you get that twilight game and you see the sun setting over the stand and like it's just a beautiful place to go. But it does also mm. feel... I don't know if this is the right word, but like kind of elite, you know, it feels like. Oh, you think so? I think so, yeah. Um, I mean, that's maybe um, because I don't have your history with, you know, going in the the early 90s when it was just the hardcore rusted on Swan supporters. Yeah, I suppose because to me, you know, they, the young, the blokes who came up from Sydney in the early 80s, they were, um, I remember talking to one of the women who, a couple of the women who were married to them, the older players, mm. and they were poor as church mice. Yeah, right. Like they were poor. They all like lived in group housing. They would have to go, you know, try and borrow a cup of sugar, and do, they they had no income. A lot of them had kids, and so. With that that kind of those sort of roots, I guess it was your Jeffrey Edelstons that came in and poured money into it, uh, right? You know, for you know, better or for worse. Um, but you're right; it was only really with the advent of Paul Roos mm. um, as the coach that the the team, I think, started to, if you pardon the expression, grow balls. You know, like as in, yeah, well, that didn't rely on the finances and things like that. Now I take on board what you're saying about the whole Buddy Franklin thing. And he Kurt, wanted to move to but, Sydney. And Kurt Tippett because it was two in a row, remember? It was two yeah. sort of high-priced forwards, one after the other, and it just sort of looked like, oh, look, they're buying premierships now or they're buying players because mm. even though that's that's just what happens in football, everyone wants to go to Richmond yeah. now, everyone wants to go to Geelong now, you know. Well, and speaking of Geelong, what is going on down there? How on earth do they afford <laughs> paying for all those fabulous players under the salary cap? I have no idea. It's nuts. But the salary cap to me is one of those like magical terms that like it feels like every year Carlton, Carlton are getting someone in the trade period. Like they'll pay top dollar for Zach Williams or whatever and then, you know, the year before it was someone else. And it's like where is this money coming from? Like, I don't, uh, is everyone else on trip and happening? <laughs> this is what this is what you've got to ask yourself. Like when Buddy came in, it's like, well, you know, you'll get five bucks and a meat pie. That's your pay for the week. Yeah. Because um, obviously, um, you have you know you have to be so careful. Because mm. look what happened to the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. You can't afford to go over the salary cap, but. Um, yeah, I, as far as the Swans go, I don't know what's going to happen with Buddy. And, of course, bloody Eddie Maguire, I'm sorry I can say this, um, all of that carry-on about not paying the cola, yeah, you know. the yeah. It's, um, Living away from home allowance. people that were coming up from Melbourne, the young blokes who were coming up from Melbourne were really struggling to live yeah. in Sydney because... You know, five, ten years ago, the discrepancy was enormous. Yeah. And then, of course, old mate, Collingwood mate, just, you know, stuck his bib in and said, no, you know, you're not getting it anymore. Um, but um, I, I guess that's sort of all evened itself out now. It's not as extreme. The living, the, the price of living isn't as great 
sorry, the discrepancy in the price of living isn't as great as what it once was. Yeah, maybe that's why they can't get a team in Tasmania because the players would be making too much money. Because <laughs> <laughs> what are you paying for a mortgage in Tassie these yeah, days? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Or some cheese and wine. <laughs> not much, not much. But, yeah, that, that culture around the Bloods, it was so kind of um, – uh, that that rivalry with the West Coast in in the in the noughties oh. and and that and that and that those two grand finals in a row, I think that really solidified, you know, the 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 culture of the club, uh, at least to outside players. Yeah. But is there something else that you think defines that blood culture that never say die that kind of workman like? Well, do you know what I think? There's a few things, Charlie. What stands out to me is Adam Goods. And all that surrounded him, all of that awful, awful period that surrounded him and how the, the, the whole city, the whole state just got behind him. Mm. Um, and, you know, a, a bit like I suppose, you know, with Nicky Winmar yep. back in the day, but more so because it had become such a thing. And then, again, you know, with, with people saying, awful things about, uh, again, uh, I won't say Eddie Maguire's name again, um, but um, I just think that was, to me, a, a pivotal moment when all of, of the, you know, Sydney got behind Goodsy and, uh, and of course, prior to him was Mickey O, but for some reason Goodsy was kind of, you know, he was, he was the one that was crucified. It's um, one of the greatest travesties in our game's history oh, is that he got yeah. chased out of the game. The fact that he Makes did not so upset. get the exit that Gary Ablett got, you know, it's oh, really, yeah. I think, I think with those two documentaries that have come out in Australian dream and final quarter, mm. I think that a lot of people are going to be on the wrong side of history. And a lot of them feature in those two documentaries, yeah. because I remember at the time when all that good thing, I was doing home and away with you at the time when that was all going on. And, you know, speaking to different people who worked on the show and some of them being like, oh, he's a whinger and this yeah. happens to everyone at the football. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but but does it? And, you know, I think yeah. that all those people who were saying, oh, I boo him because, you know, he's a dirty player or he's a sniper or whatever. Not because. Not because I'm racist. Because, yeah. I think now we can all agree. <laughs> yeah. That that booing That's right. was predominantly driven by racism. And if you were partaking in the booing, then you were giving licence to it. Absolutely. You were, even if you, you know, could swear on a Bible, I'm not racist, the fact that you are doing it is uh, uh, giving the nod to others. Yeah. And, and you need to, we, you know, we all needed to take a stand and it still breaks my heart to think that such a, a lovely man, and I've met him a couple of times and, you know, you may have too, but he's a lovely man, he's a good person mm. and he was a fabulous player. Yeah. One of the best and probably, you know, one helped win the, certainly the 2005 grand final. I mean, it's staggering too when you think about the shit that players get up to in their careers, the scandals they're involved in. Yeah. And he was a clean skin. He was yes. a clean skin and they still mm. crucified him. And it's like, so that's what it takes. Like you can be, you know, the ultimate professional. You can win the highest accolade twice. You can win two flags. Mm. But if you're an Indigenous player who gets a bit uppity, then they'll be held yeah. to play. Oh, what do you mean you called somebody out for calling you an ape or whatever? And he took dives. Don't make me sick. Yeah. How many, you know. Well, that wasn't backed up statistically. Like they've, no, they've gone into that. that. That's not true. 
absolute crap. He was, he was hounded, he was pilloried, and it, it still breaks my heart. And I'm, you know, I'm just glad that he's married and he's got children and or a child, and he's happy and he's out there preaching the good word about acceptance and uh, in all walks of life, in, you know, especially in sport. Well, let's get back to some happier memories. So can you yes. remember the first play that really captured your imagination? Who was the first one that you'd like, I will go every weekend just to see him play? Oh, that's hard. Um, look, I probably would say Goodsy again, but going back even before that, I reckon, because I was there, when Plugger kicked his 1300s and we were, we were like, I was right behind. That wobbly wobbly old kick. (laughs) His 1300s was his worst. And everybody rushed on the field, which you couldn't do these days. Can you imagine? Oh, and and it was just, and because if you've seen him since, he's about a quarter of the size he was. Actually really quite a shy introverted person mm. and I think the Swans hired him as a kicking coach or something like that. But um, I guess um, prior to him um, or maybe around the same time, uh, Mickey O'Loughlin. Yeah, magic. Just, um, a, again, a beautiful human being and uh, a great player and a great representative of uh, our Indigenous people and also of AFL. Yeah. Love him very much. Um, but there's been many. And uh, like you, I'm not a stati- statistician and I can't remember what came, you know, who came first or what came second. But those two people stand out in my mind mm. and, and, of course, Goodsy. Yeah, the, and the exciting thing too is that if it was a story, you know, like if you started a novel of the Swans in 1990, it's had the perfect build for you where it's like, you know, overcoming early adversity and then Plugger arrives, you know, the great white yeah, hope. Yeah. And then you get into that grand final and you lose and you dip a little bit. But then, you know, Rodney Ede comes along and takes you yeah. a bit further, but hands over to Paul Ruse and you get all these like draft picks. You rehabilitate another troubled St Kilda Ford, Barry Hall, and bring him. Yes. Into the yeah. Fall. Oh, big bad Barry, who you to punch people out and then go, what? <laughs> I didn't hold his hands up. wasn't me. But it is interesting, <laughs> isn't it, that like twice in a row the Swans turned to St Kilda to take our troubled big forward and, yes. and turn them into like a, a yeah. model citizen and a great player. I mean, it seems like, you know, Barry couldn't uh, stay a model citizen his entire career. You did have to offload him in the end. Yeah. But like what? A th- he went to the Bulldogs, did he, after He went that? to the Bulldogs, yeah. yeah. But then we we did give you um, the wonderful Adam Schneider. Oh, yeah, and Sean Dempster. The fabulous Papley. Yeah. No, and no. Zach Jones. No, no. You're welcome. We didn't get Tom Papley. We got Zach Jones. Tom. Oh, not, not, not Papley. Sorry, we've still got Papley. Yeah. Who did we know? Oh, oh, we got um, Zach Jones. I don't know. Do we get someone else? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sh- Schneider, Dempster. No, there was somebody else. Oh my God! Uh, doesn't matter. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Paul would know. Oh God, we were just talking about it. Anyway, doesn't. it'll come to me. But no, not Papley. He's still with us. Yeah, so. but look, I mean, look. I, I'll, I'll, thanks for Adam Schneider, but he's no Tony Lockett. <laughs> no, no. But by golly, he could move around the field. He's and another lovely person. I, I actually know his mum from Spirit of the Land from Lockhart. Right. And uh, um, we, we went out there and did. 
you know, back in the days when they were, you know, would celebrate the land and, and have um, a festival and try and raise money for the farmers because there was a lot of mental illness and yada, yada. Um, and, yeah, but just by chance I happened to meet Sue, his mum. Mm. And, uh, yeah, just lovely. You can, I, I can see why he's such a nice person so, because of his roots and his family. So just tell me, t- tell me what it was like being on the ground floor of a, a team as it builds. Like I imagine if you're a Gold Coast supporter at the moment, maybe not GWS because they seem to have hit the ground running, but, you know, Gold Coast who are trying to establish themselves, getting very low numbers to the game. I mean, that was the SCG in the early 90s. I read something yeah. that it was like, you know, you averaged 10,000 a game for about three years in a row. But then from the plug era, it starts building up to 30,000. So what was that like? Were you, did you, could you feel the buzz growing? Was it like, a, would it happen suddenly? Was it a gradual thing? I think it was a gradual thing, Charlie, just because it was, an, you know, it was kind of a, the new sport in town. Yep. In a way, it became a thing. It had been this sort of strange thing that happened, you know, out of the SCG for a few years, and then all of a sudden, you know, oh, we're winning. Yeah. What what is this about? <laughs> and and then of course, Telly jumped on board and all of that. And and I think, yeah, I do think it was a gradual thing. But I suppose, like with any, once you once you get your hooks into something. You, you stay with them through hell and high water. That's the one thing I would say about Swan supporters is in all the Swan supporters I've met up here who are like either, you know, uh, born and raised in Sydney or, you know, died in the wool kind of uh, um, refugees from another state, so loyal. Like really fiercely yeah, loyal yeah. and fiercely loyal. <laughs> like in- oh yeah, but then who's not, Dal? Who's not? I mean, you're you. I know you're a saint boy, <laughs> yeah, and you're very I one-eyed, very- and that's okay too. You know, that's all right. Um, I, I, um, I just look from from my point of view. There's certain teams I like. Yep. There's Tell some me. I tolerate, and there's some I don't like th- at give all. Give me three you like and three you don't like. Okay, right. So I like, I like obviously the Sydney Swans. No, no, no you um, can't name your right team. I can't. I can't name them. Three okay, other, all right. Three other okay. teams you like. I'm and, going and to why. say, okay. Um, I like, I like the Brisbane Lions. Okay. Because I think in this era, this last ten years, they've really kind of hit rock bottom, and they're really, uh, you know, fighting their way back, and they seem to be, um, they. Their, their, their supporters aren't um, hideously one-eyed and awful, um, unlike some others I can mention. Um, and um, they, uh, I just think they're in there giving it a real good crack. I do think so. Yeah. And I think they're good players. Yeah. I like Brisbane. Um, Gold Coast I don't know much about. Um, I, I like... Um, I'm not, not just saying this because it's you. I do like St Kilda. Well, because St Kilda... I, is no threat to anyone. St Kilda is a lot of people's second team. You beat us this year. Yeah, I know, but like in terms of ultimate success. Yeah, 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 I see. Your turn will come. You would have no bad memories. Like not many people have bad memories about playing St Kilda in a big game because we tend to lose the big ones. (laughs) But that's all right. Your your time will come, you know, and and if you are a a dedicated supporter, you'll live to see that. But, um, yes, St Kilda would be the other one. And then... Look, I run hot and cold about Geelong. Right. I, 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 they are a good team, but I've got to tell you, their supporters can suck sometimes. Like yeah. they're so one-eyed <laughs> cats. And can I just tell you, 
One of my favourite memories is 2005 preliminary final. We were down about 23 point yeah. points. Nick, Nick Davis. Davis, come to save us. Yeah. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like that bloke got, I don't know, he got pinged by the ninja fairy. Yeah. He just turned into a flipping ninja and it was it was a, it was one of those golden moments in your life where you go, even if we don't win the grand final, which we did, yeah. even if we don't win the grand final, this is one of the best days of my life. One of the best quarters of football you'll oh, ever see. Oh, and I, extraordinary. The thing that blows my mind, because, you know, they always show that last goal that kicks out of that ruck contest, you know, ad nauseum. Mm. And they keep saying it was a set play. But when I've watched that thing no, maybe a hundred times, it's so chaotic. I ha- I can't it's believe not- that this is a set play. Or if it's a set with- play, what is the play? Yeah, exactly. And it, the with balls it's and people everywhere. around. 3.3 seconds on the clock. Unbelievable. It, it was like like Paul, you know Paul, yep. my partner, he uh, watches it. I don't know, once a month, <laughs> and he still yells, still screams, his blood pressure still goes up. It's just one of those insane moments yeah. um, where you just, that was, that was great, that was great. And, of course, we did go on to win the grand final, which was extraordinary. I remember that too. Um, and then, of course, the following year we were disappointed, but that was okay because, you know, um, that was uh, West Coast. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, I'm hot and cold about West Coast too. One of our best mates is a dyed-in-the-wool uh, West Coast supporter. Mm. Nick Atnui is a good mate of mine right. and he's one of the nicest human what beings he had. you could ever meet. Um, but he's also somebody you want on your team. Yep. So, oh, Nick, come on. All right. Why you had it here first. Come on, Nick. You know, true story, he messaged me once Um I think the, the the boys, the West Coast boys, were coming up to Sydney, mm. and I got the feeling they'd been in Melbourne. They hadn't gone back home, and they were coming back up. Anyway, he messaged me and he said, um, "We're coming up to Sydney, Lynn. Can you um, recommend uh, any good places to go and eat?" And I messaged him back, and I went, "You're brave, <laughs> asking a dyed in the wool swan supporter where you can all go and eat." Food poisoning. Let me think yeah. now. Where's the dirtiest? <laughs> The dirtiest takeaway restaurant. <laughs> you can send him to make sure they get a stomach bug. But um, they, uh, yeah, he's uh, they. I'm I'm hot and cold about them. But yeah, definitely, definitely Brisbane Lions, definitely St Kilda, maybe and um, oh, Adelaide. Meh, no, not really. Um, can I tell you who I don't like? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that's what we've been leading okay. to. Go on, Hawthorne. Of course. I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I do not like them. I've ne- I mean, they. It was we were there in 2014. It. Mm. My heart was ripped out and squashed and thrown on the ground. Luckily, I was doing Dancing with the Stars, and I'd already made the decision: win, lose, or draw. I had to leave it behind, and go and start, you know, rehearsing. And I was right. able to do that. But it was it was a shellacking of mm. monumental. Uh, proportions. So uh, was that when that was that when the dislike began? No, it was no. I think it, it started before then. Um, I mean, it's easy to dislike Hawthorne, especially you know. I mean, I think most of the league feels that way, but entirely because they're so good. I mean, that's the thing that's annoying about them. Yes, they were the unsociable hawks for a while, and they like to sort of you know push the limits and stuff. No. But you can't deny they weren't an incredible team. Oh, they, who were, they were with one of the greatest coaches of all time. Yes. Who will tell you? 
Yes. You see, <laughs> that's another thing. Yeah, that's right. That's another thing. So anyway, yeah, I'm not big on them. And, um, oh, gee, um, yeah, uh, Collingwood, uh, um, I... I'm ambiv- I, look. I think I don't. I don't mind Nathan Buckley. I think he's good, and I and I think some of their players are great. But um, I'm afraid old mate at the top of the ladder just does my head in. So I'm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a fan. But yeah, predominantly Hawthorne and um, and of course Richmond. I don't like them anymore either. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what happens though when you win three out of four grand finals well, it every does. stage. It does. Yeah. Um, particularly when you kind of wander in from fifth, yeah, or sixth. Um, yeah, I think, and I think there's more in the tank with those guys. Do you really? Yeah. I mean, when, when Dustin Martin is a once in a generation player, mm. like he was. In, did you see the grand final? He was incredible in the grand final. No, I didn't. Year. I didn't. But just phenomenal. My daughter, who wouldn't know an AFL game if it hit her over the head, <laughs> was watching it with her partner, who was like a Parramatta supporter. So they just were watching it and she messaged me and she went, oh, my God, Mum, the, the game was insane. And I think no, it was, it was that last quarter again yeah. that they just went. Whoosh. But it was also an insane game. Like, uh, and I know that we're talking about the Swans, but we can t- digress oh, to talk sure. about the grand final for we, a little bit. <laughs> the first quarter you had, um, you know, uh, Gary Ablett, uh, um, uh, Nick Voston and Gary Ablett getting, Nick Voston getting knocked out and Gary Ablett breaking his shoulder within, oh. you know, the same field with the oh. same play. Then you had like field invaders run onto the ground. Like it was just the most chaotic, insane game of football. And Geelong were were winning, and yes. then it was like Richmond just said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna play now." It was like the Princess Bride where they were playing with their left feet, and suddenly they're like, "We're not left. We're not left handed. Yeah. We're now gonna play." Properly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I like I say, I didn't watch it because um, I saw the score. Oh, we must have been out somewhere, but I saw the score up until about half time, and and Geelong had been leading, and I think at half time yeah. that. Half time, they were down two points, something yeah. like that, and then Richmond just, uh, you know, uh, just shat all over them. And it's like, how can you turn up for half a game and then go, eh, you know? Anyway, it was. So, I, I think I might know the answer to this um, because you sort of hinted it before. So, would Goodsy be your all-time favourite Swan? I wrote down a couple, to be honest. Oh, did you? Yes. Um, of course, we've spoken about Nick Davis. <laughs> it's like the Oscars. Davis. You, you, don't, you don't want to leave anyone out. I don't, I don't because I, I really love Remember them all. Remember to thank I your love, agent like, at the end of this. Another one of my favourites was Ty Keneally. I loved him. Oh, yeah. And, again, you know, I find it hard to draw a line because I know some of these people, I've met them, you know, yep. doing other stuff. And they're such lovely. The Irish, you can't beat the Irish. But you know what? I'm going to have to say, even though Buddy at his best is almost unbeatable, Mm. It's got to be Goodsy. It's got to be Goodsy for an all-rounder, for a player who came on board when he was young. The the shit he went through, he won Mm. the 2005 Grand Final for us. And um, And he won the 2012 Grand uh, Final. I mean, Nick Malczewski kicked the winning goal, but that goal he kicked on one leg. That is, I reckon his performance in the 2012 yeah. Grand Final is kind of maybe one of the most underrated ones. Yeah. Like, so it was one of his ligaments, right? He did his knee. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And had one leg and then just kicked <laughs> that snap around the corner and it was just like, yeah. And the people forget too, like, he was a Ruckman midfielder who could pinch hit forward. <laughs> like, that's yeah. an extraordinary player he to was, have. Yeah, he was club. next level. Um 
And, and of course, that was made even more wonderful because it was Hawthorne that we beat. Yeah. I, yeah, I can remember back. just pacing up. We had people here. I was just pacing to the television, screaming at it like a banshee and then pacing away. And then I, how I didn't drop dead from an aneurysm or something, <laughs> I, I do not know. Lynn, try and attend a grand final where your team plays a draw if you want to oh know my what an God. aneurysm feels. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah, oh. I've been to every St Kilda grand final um, for three losses and one draw. <laughs> wow. And then but, uh, next week you kind of um, capitulated, didn't We you? got smashed, yeah. And we got smashed by Collingwood. So Ugh. I can uh, I can sympathise yeah. with you getting yeah, belted yeah. by Hawthorne. Yeah. It's a horrible feeling. It's especially a horrible feeling when when you're at the ground and the opposition supporters go from, you know, being fierce barrackers to being kind of, con- not condescending, but, you know, they're being nice to you and you're just like, oh, I don't want your pity. Don't, <laughs> don't make me feel better. Um, speaking of Collingwood, I remember, gosh, it must be about 10 years ago, and they had always beaten us. We were kind of their bunnies for a, a, a while. And we yeah, were at the right. SCG. And um, I was there with some oh, – do you remember Lisa Gormley? Yeah. Okay. So um, Lisa, of course, um, is a uh, she's a Taswegian, but for some reason or other, she was barricading for Collingwood, possibly because her then boyfriend was a Collingwood supporter, and right. they were there. And um, uh, the Collingwood supporters were like howling and and you know just so noisy and full on the antithesis in a way to early you know Sydney supporters ten years ago, yeah. um, but. Gradually during that last quarter, whole pockets of them were just leaving the ground. It was the most glorious sight. Like <laughs> en masse, just leaving. In retreat. It's it was lovely. Fantastic. So yeah, that that that's a very fond memory of mine too, I must say. So tell me what kind of um uh when you watch the games on TV, what kind of supporter are you? Are you someone who, like you said, you're pacing up and down when it gets really close? <sighs> Do you, are you superstitious where if you leave the room and they score a goal, yes, you feel like you have to stay out of the room? All of that. <laughs> and, you know, sometimes too, I've actually got worse as I've got older. I can't actually watch the game. It makes me so anxious. I 100% I can't you. watch it. It's, I, I say to Paul, you tape it. <laughs> if we win, I will watch it. It's a bit <laughs> like watching a war movie. You know who's going to win. I don't care. I don't care. People say, but what's, where's the fun in that? The fun is I'm not going to drop dead watching it. That's the fun. Lynn, I'm, ex- I'm exactly the same. I'm exactly the same. Oh. But I, I do. I go one step further where if I decide I don't want to know the score, so I'll turn – because I am the St Kilda supporter amongst all my friends. So people are always – you message me often during games. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I'll turn my phone off so I'm not going to get any spoilers. But I've taped it, and so what I'll do is watch it and fast forward. So every time we have the ball, it's playing at normal speed. But as soon as the opposition get it, I can't look and I fast forward. And I, I'll open one eye until the game starts. I'll be getting we're back in possession. Oh, okay. So you don't know the score when you watch it? No. Oh, I'll, I'll try, I have I'll, to. I'll, I'll, I'll try and fast forward. Sometimes I, I will know the score. Like I, if it's a really big game where I don't think I can take it, I'll just like find out the score beforehand. But other times I like to watch the game on fast forward just to see like, okay, so once I get the anxiety out of the way and then I'll have a second watch at normal Uh, speed when I can take it. Do you watch games that you win well or win more than once? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this year. And you've got to remember, Lynn, I've been in the desert for 
10 years. I've been a starving man. Haven't seen a lot of wins to celebrate yeah, yeah, this yeah. year because we had such a good year. Yeah. And, you know, we beat Port Adelaide uh, yes. uh, uh, in Adelaide and we beat Richmond. And so there was a bunch wow. of games. And you beat that us. Was like, um, yeah. Well, you know. You did. You, were the, <laughs> and we beat you guys were in yeah. the top eight. That's right. Yeah. So I have gone back and watched. It's, it's funny. Will and I started this show in 2016 um, uh, and it was what it was meant to be about was uh, uh, two guys who, because he barracks the Bulldogs, two guys who barrack for teams that have only ever won one flag in their lifetime. And then what happens? The Bulldogs win a flag. Oh, yeah. Well, completely... that, was, that was the fairy tale win. We've oh, of course. Let's talk that. about yeah. that. Yeah. Let's talk about that game. Yeah. So I was at that one. Were you there? No, no. Um, we stopped going to grand finals up to 2014. <laughs> Never again. Yeah, right. Oh, uh, it was it was awful. It was awful. Well, probably a good probably a good call considering what happened. I know, I know, and it was, you know, uh, look, I don't I don't remember a lot about it. I just remember Paul was, you know, was purple with rage. Um, you know, effing bloody fairy because they kept banging on about the fairy tale win. Yeah. Um, and uh, look. Maybe it wasn't, but um, look. Uh, as someone who was at the ground, it definitely felt like it was Sydney versus the rest of Australia. Yes. Like everyone was. Everyone the was behind, the including the umpires. It appears. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. So, now I don't. I'm not suggesting anything like uh, there was any kind of a conspiracy or whatever. No. But there is a there is an influence that the crowd has on umpires. Like it's, I just think that's a natural thing that. You know, when a tackle's made and the crowd roars, like the umpire is more likely to blow the whistle. It happens when West Coast play a team, you know, over in WA. It happens when Sydney play yeah, a team at the yeah. SCG. So I do feel like, plus Buddy's injury in the first quarter yeah. didn't help you guys. But, you know, it was a game that you just looked like you were off. You know? Yeah, we weren't. It, we're, but it was one of those years where we'd played really well and then it's like we we kind of hit our peak before the grand final, whereas the Bulldogs didn't. They just, you know, um, they got there. And, um, well, they just and they had an it. incredible – well, you know what they had? They had your 2005 run. Yeah. Every final that they played leading up to 2016 grand final was incredible. It was a Nick, Dav- Nick Davis game yeah. every game. Like they played that Nick Davis game against GWS the week before. Yeah. So. I know Paul doesn't like the fairy tale, but yeah. other people I know, look, love the fairy tale. But it tale. was. You're absolutely right. It was Sydney versus the rest of Australia. And, uh, and it, it, when I say fairy tale, I guess I mean because it would have been so long since the Bulldogs had won anything um, mm. and, and, and it was almost like they were the underdogs. They were looked at as the underdogs. But they were the underdogs. Sydney were destined to win that game. Yeah. You'd been the best team all Just year. Just did not turn up. Well, and the injury to Buddy. Yeah. I think that, I mean. It has a of, psychological effect, doesn't it? Whether yeah. And, well, and But also, like, he, you forget because he hasn't played in two years, but he was the best player going around. Like. And I he, mean, and not only the best player going around, but like before Dustin Martin, probably the best big game oh, player going around. And and to see Buddy, you know, when to do a some, you know, kick from the sideline, and literally oh, yeah. you've got they're unbelievable much, those goals. This much, yeah. you know that with the that's all you can see. It's like yeah. an inch and a half. How old am I? Four centimeters of of gap. And yeah. you have to, in your head, try and weave that ball through. Put him in front of the goalpost, 
couldn't kick to save himself. Yeah. Slid him out on the, on the boundary line. And let him 70 metres out. Bend it in. Unbelievable. I mean, what a privilege though. Like when you think about the players that you've got to watch over the last 30 years, you know, I was talking to um, Titus O'Reilly last week about the Demons and, you know, they had a period of time in the late 90s and 2000s where they made grand finals and played in the finals. And he said, yeah, but we, if you look at those lists, we never really had a superstar. Like there's a bunch mm, of good, good players, serviceable players, but you need those superstars. You've had one of those pretty much every generation or every iteration of your yeah. teams, right? Whether it was Paul Kelly and Tony Lockett or, you know, Barry Hall and, and, and um, Bruce. Um, uh, Brett Kirk. And yeah, but there's always been that marquee player yes so do you feel like where the swans are now because obviously buddy's well into his twilight do you feel like you are missing that marquee player or is there someone i, now that you I think? think there's a i think there's a, a a new um school of thought and that is uh with the young ones we we have a lot of really good young players i mean when you look at the team and somebody like isaac heaney mm. is one up there with one of the senior players, um, I think that's that is the current school of thought. I think the days of the superstars. Well, I think all, all the commentary around the Swans this year yes. was, look, they're in a rebuild. Um, everyone knows that, and they played the kids, and I think that was kind of they won a lot of. They, you know how I was saying that you know. You sort of, you can understand how the perception mm. of the Swans shifted in the last ten years from being you know the working class yeah. and the dogs to being like the silver tails, but now that sort of buddies you know on the way out and a lot of those older players are sort of moving on and you are starting with this new crop, there is a chance for you guys to reclaim. I would yeah I would that like identity, to don't you think, think so, love? And I I, I think that um, oh by the way before I forget Dan Hanabry, that's who I was thinking of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, Dan Hanabry. Got that yes. off my chest. Yes. Um, it was driving me mad. Um, <laughs> it's been uh, burning I you. I think yeah. that um, the culture at the Swans, and, and I can't speak for other clubs, so I'm sure it's the same, but the culture of the Swans is such that, mm. you know, you, you kind of really take care of your young players. You look after them. I mean, God, how, how many have, uh, you know, broken something, done Look at Alex Johnson. You know, you'd, you'd, they'd have an injury yeah, right. and that five years later story. they're still there. Um, very sad mm. about Alex, a, a wonderful player, but just just breakable and bendable. Yeah. Sam Reed to a degree, but he's come good again in his later years. Uh, Naismith, I think, is another one mm. who's just a bit breaky, a bit, you know, uh, a bit, our yeah. talls seem to snap. Um no, they do. Look at Kirk Tippett. Good grief. Um, so, yeah. uh, but the younger ones to a zippy and, you know, uh, the tr I just think mm. that the culture is is wonderful there and it, it um, encourages the families and the wives and the sisters and the girlfriends to all be part of it too. Does, does, does St Kilda have a women's, not a women's team, but a women's support team? group? Ah. I'm pretty sure yeah, they so do. we like have a Lassies, which like is that. ladies is and Sydney Swans. So right. it's lasses, um, but right. it's just women yeah. who love the Sydney Swans and they are they they band together, they yeah, right. fundraisers, they do all that sort of thing. So it has that sort of a culture. So, but um, in answer to your, to your question about having a superstar, 
Um, I don't think that mm. the salary cap is allowing that these days. And I think once Buddy bows out, right, um, and you know, which I guess he might have to do sooner rather than later, his um, his, his mm. injuries and his hammies and and all of that just it's just not happening. Um, then I think maybe they will go the other way and just make it a, a band of brothers rather than a. a yeah. Well, yeah. that's and that's what Paul Ruse did, you know, and that. that People like to throw around that phrase money ball, but that's kind of what he did with all the spare parts players he got from other clubs, you know? Guys who'd played enough games that you knew they were kind of like their, mm. their, their bodies were ready, they were you could you could play them straight away. Yeah. But they were just role players. And I think that Paul Ruse's influence can't be, you know, underestimated. You know, he was kind of an influence on Ross Lyon who brought that kind of philosophy to mm. the Saints and then to Frio and then John Longmire. And when you think about the Swans, like they're such a stable club, yeah. two coaches in the last 20 years. Like yeah, Horse has been happen? great. He's, he's, um, yeah. he's very good. He's a very uh, stable influence. Did you love uh, this year when um, Clarko was having to go at uh, Tom Papley for taking a dive? Oh, yeah. <laughs> when and, they and, yeah. sprung it the look on, on Horse's horse face. Conference? Like, uh, yeah. Kettle black. He said what? <laughs> yeah, it was lovely. I think they have a, you know, as a lot of the coaches do, which is kind of good. Yeah. It's good, you know, as long as I don't take it personally. 100%. Um, is there any player at the club that maybe people outside the club aren't aware of that you think is kind of like the cult hero, the enigma? Now. Is a player there that, you know, now or, or over the over the, the last thirty years, has it, who was who was the biggest enigma? I mean, Plugger was kind of an enigma, wasn't he? He was so shy and didn't do any press. Yeah, he was he was an enigma, yeah. cult hero. Of course, we've spoken about Nick uh, Davis yeah, right. most definitely um, uh, for that that period yeah. of time, um, and he will tell you about it. He loves nothing more <laughs> than to talk about it. Um, I, I think too, like. Um, uh, yeah. Mickey O was a wonderful uh, cult hero, not necessarily an enigma. I think Goodsy was both of those. Um, but, you know, a player that I really thought was um, a lovely person and 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 quite enigmatic and, and people loved him because he was such a big galumpin thing was um, uh, Lewis Roberts Thompson. Oh, I was going to bring him up. Yeah, because every who time I used I would... to call Robert Louis Stevenson. <laughs> yeah, or BLT. Yeah, <laughs> bacon and lettuce tomato sandwich. Yes. Every time I'd catch up with you in the makeup <laughs> room or something, we'd be talking about the footy on the weekend, and you'd bring up BLT. And I'm like, who, who's BLT? <laughs> You're right. He was a bit of an enigma, wasn't he? His, he was he had that cult hero because he was kind of goofy looking. He was goofy, <laughs> but you know what? He could. He was. I, he when he was hot, he was hot, and and one of um, the worst things I ever witnessed was when he broke his leg in Western Australia, and he was booed off the field right. by the West Coast supporters. Right, because apparently he was taking a dive <laughs> with his broken leg. With his broken leg, they're the same supporters who booed yes. Adam Goods. <laughs> like their judgment ain't great. <laughs> Maybe that's the issue. Maybe we're getting to the bottom of all this. Maybe it's just there is an eyesight problem in the West. Yeah. Maybe we need to get spec savers over there. They've got to spot to yeah. the West Coast Eagles so they can know what oh. they're looking at. But he he was um he was great. I, I you know there's probably a million 
that I've forgotten about and and haven't mentioned. No, oh, I think I think until you... recently, Alia Alia. Oh yeah, that's a shame, oh, isn't it? Oh, Devo, absolutely Devo. But you know, you got to do what you got to do, and your contracts out, and you get a good offer. And I just um, he's uh, he and again a, a beautiful person. Mm. And a great player who you saw get better and better and better in leaps and bounds, you know, mm. and confidence. Couldn't kick a goal to save himself. Next minute, <laughs> you know, taking marks and kicking goals. It was wonderful, wonderful. And so you've had two grand finals and you've had that amazing pre- pre- preliminary final. I can never say that word, preliminary. Preliminary. What stands out is like your happiest memory, most exciting, most inspirational, warmest memory of being a Swan supporter? Look, I I reckon, and I can't remember the date or even the year, it was probably 2017, it was the game where the whole of the SCG, including the opposition supporters, and I can't even remember who they were, held up the I stand with 37. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, talking about it makes me a little bit teary. Uh, that, that said everything. Wins, losses, great players aside, that to me is what the game is about, that, that as one people stood mm. up for and um, in cahoots with Goodsey, all he was standing for, against all forms of racism and bullying Mm. and, you know, call it what you like, Um, that was a a truly great moment. You know what I I also think is great about that is the way the players took ownership and defended Adam, you know, Bob Murphy wearing the 37 on his back. Yeah, they all did. That was Bob Murphy, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so it was that Bulldogs then. We were playing the Bulldogs. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if if it was that game, but. It's interesting because all the you know the people who are defending booing, booing Adam Goods were like, well, you know, I buy a ticket and I can do what I want, and you know, I'm not booing him because I'm being racist. I'm booing him because I don't like him as a player. But then you're getting the entire um, you know playing list saying, well, we don't like you booing him. You know, you're booing yes. one of us. You're booing all of all us. Of you know, us, we're not yeah. here to be like they're not animals in the zoo. Like, yeah. it's it's a funny one because I. I, for one, think I love the banter of going to the football. I love the release. I love all the shit that comes out. But oh. there is a line. And I'm amazed that some people think that there is no line, <laughs> that they can just do and say whatever they want at the football. Yes. Yeah. And I and I think that was evident in that um, situation at Collingwood mm. where that, you know, that 13-year-old um, and she, all she was doing was mimicking what her family said. And and Goodsy, you know, he was so pilloried for that, and he, he was came so out the very next day and said, "It's not about her. Yeah. I feel sorry for her. Yeah. This is what she's grown up with." Um, uh, yeah, it's one of those eras that you know. Hopefully, we have all learned a great lesson from, but mm. it's shameful. It's truly shameful. So that 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 one particular match. And I think it was because he he'd come back, but he wasn't playing, or he, he yeah. was no longer going to play, or something. And and people just he wasn't even there. I don't think. I think yeah. he'd gone off, you know, with his fiance or something. And everyone to a man and woman 
stood up and applauded and it was a great moment. It was just a great moment. What's been your most crushing moment? Was it the 2014 grand final? I mean, it seems to have put you off grand finals for the rest of your life. Um, <laughs> it was pretty crushing. It was pretty crushing uh, because it was relentless. Yeah. Like at no point did we go, yeah, we can get this back. Yeah. Maybe at the end of the first quarter I thought it, thought it. Maybe at the end of the second quarter I thought, Oh, if we just kick five in a row. <laughs> yeah, if we could just kick the next 16, <laughs> we're in, we're in. Um, but I think, yeah, that would be the most crushing moment. Um, and, and uh, yeah, it, it would have to be because the 2006 grand final, even though it was tight, we'd, we'd won one the year before. Yeah. And, and, you know, it was kind of okay. It wasn't. I didn't feel gutted by it. That's but that seems to be that's my experience of all my friends whose teams have won flags is they become very magnanimous and generous after that. You know, like <laughs> it's like they've had their hit. They're like, sure, yeah. pass the bong on. You can have a have, okay. have a whiff of premiership. <laughs> yeah, it was like the ashes. I was talking to Paul about this because we've got a little um, uh, we've got a little replica ashes right. that we bought at Lords, and we've got friends in the UK who are mad cricketers. So every time we win the Ashes, we get we <laughs> That's get, great. And every time they win it, one we have to take it over there and there's always a photo gloating. <laughs> but um, it was a bit like the Ashes last year when we, um, uh, we'd already won them, we'd already retained them, but they won the last game, which meant it was a draw. But we're like... It doesn't matter because we've still got the ashes. You know, it was like yeah. that magnet. We'll, we're very magnanimous. We will let you win this last one just so you don't feel too bad about yourself. But we've got the ashes. It was very much like that. Um, and I can't wait for the next uh, cricket season, you know, to start proper. Linny, you're such a mad keen Swan supporter. I can't imagine if they folded that you would follow another team or do you think you would? Look, I probably would. I probably would. It'd take me a while to get used to it. Um, I, I, I don't think I would follow GWS, mm. um, but I don't know. I, I couldn't. I, there's one or two players there that I really don't like. Toby Green, who's the other one? <laughs> All right, one. <laughs> but he is that player. He's a pest. Like Buddy was when he was with Hawthorne, that player that you hated. Until suddenly oh, he's on your team, yeah. woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> you know, 100%. Um, but um, yeah, I'm not not a, a fan of, of Toby. Unfortunately, he's um, yeah, he just has that quality that you, he's just got the most punchable face in AFL. He's but anyway. like a psychotic cabbage patch doll. <laughs> he's like Chucky come to life. He really does. With that hair, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's quite mental. Um, uh, so I don't know if I would jump on that bandwagon. Um, uh, Paul keeps insisting that we have to go back to the Wodonga Bulldogs if that happens. <laughs> but I, I would honestly say, and I'm not paying in your pocket, I reckon it would probably be St Kilda. It would either be St Kilda or it would be Brisbane. Right. Because um, I think they're, yeah, they're two teams um, that I like. I've never found them to be dirty or, or anything like that. I just think they're good teams with good players. Plus, you know, at the moment you've got... Um, 
You've got Hannah's yeah. and you've got uh, Zach Jones. There's always been a bit of a like an open border between the Swans and the Saints. We do a lot. Yeah, we do a lot of player like, trading, okay. don't we? You take these two, and we'll yeah. take this one. Exactly. Yeah. And that's okay. That's okay too. So you've forgiven um, St Kilda uh, when Tony Lockett was playing for them when he smashed uh, Peter Caven's face in at the SCG that day with a pig. No, I, I don't remember that. Okay. That was must have been very early days, yeah. was it? Yeah. So it's a good thing. You, it's, it's a good thing you didn't see that incident because okay. maybe you, I wouldn't like you wouldn't him. like yeah. it. Yeah. No. Did he did he do a Barry Hall? Did he go, what? What? <laughs> I didn't punch his face in. It just fell in by itself. <laughs> Lynn, it's been so great talking to you. I really hope we can do this again. Um, quickly before we go, what are your prediction about the Swans in 2021? Um, I think we will do better than we did this year. Um, I think it's a gradual process. Um, and, uh, look, I think a lot of it will revolve around Buddy, and that doesn't mean to say revolve around whether he plays or not. I think if, it, if it's apparent that he's not going to play, yeah. then I think they need to just focus on that and not even think about that he's going to be there, that, it, that they have to focus on their young young ones. On um, I think we've got a couple of new tools coming in. Yeah. Let's hope they're not bendy and breaky. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, because um, uh, where be, we, I think, suffer is in the rut. Wouldn't it be great, though, just to see one final vintage buddy season? Oh, like, Darling, it would be wonderful. Kind of the way Gary Ablett. Like, I know the grand final was a disappointment, but he had a really good final he year. He had a great year. Because I think if, great if we're going to send Buddy off, let's do it in style. You just hate oh, to see him finish his career on the bench or, you know, in rehab I, or anything I, I, like I that. I hear you. I absolutely hear you. You, what you don't want – you what you want – is you want like a um, a Steve Waugh or or an Alan Border farewell? You don't want an Ian Healy. <laughs> exactly, and we'll leave it there. When suddenly he just wasn't there anymore, it's like, well, can we not say goodbye to this this master? That, that was awful. I hated that. So that, you're right. That's what we want. We want a big, you know, uh, a big uh, farewell, farewell for him. For Buddy. Yeah, totally. Lynn, thanks so much. My pleasure, darling. Lovely talking to you. We are two guys, one car.